Today, the Betcha Sub podcast is sponsored by European Wax Center's Axe, the Pink Tax Campaign. The Pink Tax is an extra amount of money women are charged every year for basic goods and services. Boo! Just for being a woman. Yeah, that is for real. Ugh. European Wax Center is known for empowering confident women, and now they're giving back women the tools to claim their worth and take back what's theirs. I love it. I mean, I hate it, but I love that like we're fixing it. Now you know. See for yourself at axthepinktax.com. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sup Podcast is your weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happened in the news, explained by your two funniest friends. Which is us. <laughs> Sorry. I was not paying attention. He was looking at his notes. Yeah. Brian, what are we talking about today? Kirsten Nielsen resigning. Oh, so sad. <laughs> yes, we're also talking about Pete Buttigieg. Love it. And Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Wow. Let's get right into it. Betches Media presents. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator, or not? Uh, my party is going bat crazy. Ah! You're the pop- Alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup Podcast. America! Hooray! Hooray, we're here. For another week. For another week. Oh and my God. Guys, let's just dive into it because there's something that's getting both me and Brian through this week in Trump's America. Very much so. We saw Harry Potter and the Cursed Child yesterday. On Broadway. It was a whole day. I know some people say Cursed Child. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Like the that. way they pronounce Voldemort instead of Voldemort. Yes, that is my only critique of the show is that they consistently pronounce it Voldemort. And I know that J.K. Rowling says that is right, but she is wrong in this <laughs> instance. And I know that she created it, but she's wrong. I did have another critique of the show that I was mm-hmm. thinking about. When they show, spoiler alert, whatever, um, they show Voldemort. Mm-hmm. He already is white and snake-like. He wasn't white and snake-like until he was resurrected during the Goblet of Fire. There there are definitely some continuity things, but what I... I take, like, all post-movies revelations, except for Gay Dumbledore, which I accept as canon. Yeah. Everything else I just think is, like, fun fan fiction that we're all engaging in, and when you watch it that way, it's a goddamn delight. Oh, my God. It oh, was so amazing. It was spectacular. Spectacular! There were parts where Brian and I literally jaws on the floor. Yes, multiple times. Multiple times for just the sheer... I mean, the acting is amazing, Mm -hmm. but these effects that they do... Wow. Wowie zowie. You know, it's really... It was so flippin' cool. And it was like... I hadn't gotten to be like really Harry Potter excited in a long time. Like, Fantastic Beasts series doesn't do it for me. Mm Mm-mm. I haven't gotten to engage in like my my full expression of Harry Potter fandom. And then as soon as you get into the theater, they've just they've just got you. It was like I nerded out hard. And by the by like the second act, the second play, whatever. And like the end of it, I was just like full blown geeking out. Yes. And I felt like because we saw it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's two plays. Yeah. And so it's like eight hours of your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can do it either on two nights during the week or during the weekend. You just do it all the way through and there's like a big break in the middle to get dinner. And I felt like by doing it, I mean, I can't speak to what it's like on the two different nights. But by the end of like the second one, the whole audience is like 
cheering yeah. and like like vocal reactions. It was like when I saw us in theaters, yeah. people were like, "No, yeah. don't go in there! Like, don't do it!" Yeah, it was a different experience from like mm-hmm. any play I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And they have like a whole new cast right now that just started. Oh, I didn't realize that they yeah. were new. They were fantastic. They were so good. Um, so good. Fucking special effects. Oh my god! It was like a magician show. It was like a yes. magic show and a Broadway show. Yes, all wrapped into one. I was really nervous that I was going to be bored or like waiting for it to be over because I'm a musical person, not necessarily a play person. Mm-hmm. There was not a moment for me where I was like, I need to get out of here. Not not a single moment. That was like eight hours of Harry Potter. Yeah, it was amazing. And it reminded me of a fact that ties Harry Potter into this podcast, which is that Moaning Myrtle's full name is Myrtle Elizabeth Warren, which is bizarre. It is bizarre. <laughs> She says it during the play, but the actress kind of like scoots, like she says Warren like so lightly that I yeah. I only remembered it from reading it. Did no one? I just I feel like one <laughs> J.K. Rowling probably knows who Elizabeth Warren is because she's very like in, like she knows things about American politics. And also, did no one reading it be like, oh hey, by the way, like this is the name of a really famous American politician, and it's kind of like distracting. It is very odd. It is like I wonder if she wrote it before she knew Elizabeth Warren existed, or maybe she like yeah. heard it and forgot. I mean, it makes sense as a British lady's name, Myrtle Elizabeth Warren. Like that sounds normal. Yeah. It's not like she was like, my name is Myrtle Pete Budish. Yeah. <laughs> my name is Myrtle Barack Obama. <laughs> Myrtle Kamala Harris. <laughs> like, be we'd like, be like, that seems off. That seems a little forced. That seems strange. I like I get where I get how like JK Rowling would just spontaneously come up with that name, but it's funny to me that in none of the edits people were like Honestly, maybe just have her say Myrtle Warren yeah. or Myrtle something else Warren. Yeah. Like how married to having this name are we <laughs> in the in the cursed child? Cursed. Um, cursed child. But if you guys have an opportunity and some cash laying around to see this play or it comes to a city near yeah. you, it's it's really something. I, and I think we'll have another episode further in depth yes. to harry potter soon that i we can i'm teasing right now. yeah we're teasing we didn't go to curse child in vain we no. went for reasons yeah there was there were besides there were our obsession yes okay and we have one more thing that's getting us both through this week yeah in Trump's america it's our favorite mayor pete Buttigieg. yes he mayor pete. he gave a speech to the lgbtq victory fund and we have some audio clips that we're gonna play and you know he's just the best so we'll play the first clip if you had offered me a pill to make me straight i would have swallowed it before you had time to give me a sip of water it was a hard thing to think about now It's hard to face the truth that there were times in my life when if you had shown me exactly what it was inside me that made me gay, I would have cut it out with a knife. And the reason it's so awful to think about isn't just the knowledge that so many young people struggling to come to terms with their sexuality or their gender identity do just that. They harm themselves, figuratively or literally. But the real reason that it's so hard to think about is if I had had the chance to do that, I would never have found my way to Chaston. But the best thing in my life, my marriage, might not have happened at all. Thank God there was no pill. Thank God there was no knife. Oh. Oh. Pete and Chastin are so precious. If you guys don't follow Chastin Buttigieg on Twitter, he's just like a drama teacher in Indiana mm-hmm. who's like very sweet. And very supportive. Very supportive. And he's always having fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know what play his kids are doing. 
Yeah. You should take him to see Cursed Child. <laughs> Someone sure get Chastin. I'm sure he. We have to get Chastin yeah. and his class tickets to see Cursed Child yeah. in New York. That's what I want. Um, there's another clip, and then we'll talk about both. Speaking only for myself, I can tell you that if me being gay was a choice, it was a choice that was made far, far above my pay grade. And that's the thing I wish the Mike Pence's of the world would understand. That if you got a problem with who I am, your problem is not with me. Your quarrel, sir, is with my creator. <gasps> Whoa. That's good. Your quarrel, sir, is with my creator. Coming for VP Pence on like a religious level. Because mm-hmm. Pete is very religious. Mm-hmm. And that's part of like his campaign is he's like, I'm gay and I'm Christian. And like, I don't see any reason why those two things. Yeah. And he's from the same state as Mike Pence. Yes. So he can really address it. It's so like, you know, the fact that mayor Pete is out there and getting attention and just even bringing, you know, people to the fold. Yes. You know what I mean? I think that he's probably speaking to people who wouldn't necessarily have listened to a gay person. Yeah. And now, they're not only that is that he's he's like informing more people making like showing a a side to the gay community that they don't actually usually see because you know representation is still like as much as it's gotten better it's still an issue it's still a problem you know like 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 even modern family it's like one has to be the flamboyant one and one has to be the working lawyer you know what i mean it's like no that's not how it works yeah and and what i think i i do think like just on that point, like his entire background really challenges a lot of people's ideas about gay men. Mm-hmm. Like he toured in Afghanistan. He went to Afghanistan while he was the mayor. Yeah. Um, which I don't fully understand how that works, but yeah. like people keep saying it. So it happened. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he, I, I don't understand if I didn't realize that you could telecommute yeah. for mayor, but okay, whatever. Either way, that's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. He did that. And you know, like just him talking about like, when he said that thing, because I, I think a lot of gay people, including myself, felt felt that way when we were younger. Like, oh, my God, I will do anything just to not feel this way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people really do struggle with that. And I think young people now hearing this well-spoken, smart man speak on the way that they're feeling in this moment right now, because I'm sure that fuck ton of people are feeling this right now. It changes their lives you know it's like it there was that whole it gets better campaign and like this is like the ultimate version of that yeah like you're uh, this man is a presidential candidate who Mm -hmm. has a lot like who people are really listening to and i'm i've said you know i i'm holding out on where i'm gonna fall on the in the primary until i see the debates i think that's gonna be like a very important thing for me but right now my position is like i'm just so happy that we have people like mayor pete in the race who's representing the lgbt community that we have people like kamala harris in the race that we have people like Mm -hmm. elizabeth warren in the race like i'm just happy to see the voices that are gonna take the stage yeah i also think it's great because when gay people when for my at least for myself i I hate like i hate like generalizing gay people because everyone has their own fucking thoughts but I feel like a lot of us, you know, worry that when we do come out or whatever, that people will only focus on the fact of our personalities as like that we're gay. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's my gay friend. Like, how's yeah. you know what I mean? Instead of just being like, that's my friend. Well, yeah, like the gay BFF is yeah. like a trope of like rom coms and yeah. stuff. And so I think it's amazing because, like, yes, he is speaking 
to the LGBTQ community and on like on a sense in, in a certain way on behalf of. But a lot of people aren't. This isn't their primary focus when it comes to Pete Mayor Pete. They're talking about you know his tours in Afghanistan. They're talking yeah. about what he's done for South Bend, Indiana. And just like all these other facets to who he is as a person, like Rhodes Scholar, who went to Harvard and Oxford. Yeah. Um, it's just really, it's just really amazing to see that people aren't primarily focusing on his sexuality, where I think a lot of people thought that they would. Yeah. Um, but what another thing about this Mayor Pete is like, I'm obviously he deserves everything, and then people are starting to. I feel like a lot of like Democrats are starting to like write op eds and talk about the fact that you know he's a man. And he's so he's getting such great praise and is well spoken, has good policies, but you know, women wouldn't get the same respect. And I feel like that's very much true in a lot of senses. Mm-hmm. However, I'm scared. It's creating another like infighting, and like I don't think that it's. I don't think that like because I saw an op-ed about how like Elizabeth Warren is not getting the due process that she is re- like due or whatever, yeah. which I totally a hundred percent agree yeah. with. But I don't think we need to say that it's not fair that Mayor Pete's getting this attention when Elizabeth Warren isn't because he doesn't fucking dictate who pays attention to him. Yeah. And it's also I mean, I just have been struggling a lot with like I feel like every candidate comes out, they get like a day of good press and then everyone shits on them. It's like Kamala comes out. She has 20,000 people come to her like her announcement. She's raised 12 million dollars, but everyone's like Kamala Harris is a cop. It's yeah. like the big thing. And then Elizabeth Warren, no one's even paying attention to her. I mean, they're not giving her the attention she deserves with like the policy proposals and like the campaign that she's been running because of the Native American thing from her past. So yeah. she's disqualified. Uh, Beto's disqualified because oil people donated to him one yeah. time. And it's just like, I wish that we would stop just disqualifying people out the gate. Like I wish, like I wish that we could look at these candidates and be like, okay, I'm seeing pros and cons and like, let the primary play out a little bit. Like, why do we have to shoot them all in the leg? Like they were like coming for, for mayor Pete because he's like a white man and like, you know what I mean? But I'm like, do we really need to be attacking the first major contender uh, the LGBTQIA community. Yeah. Like, can we just fucking let it go and just of be course. like, he's great and smart, but you know, Elizabeth Warren's smart too. Paid, like, you know, like it's just, it really bothers me to yeah. see these like liberal people come for him because he's a, 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 like a white man. Yeah. And I do get like, I mean, listen, I understand the I'm, frustration. Yes. I, and I'm always one to cry like sexism. Like I will do it, but I do feel like, the reason that Pete Buttigieg has been getting the particular attention he gets is because he came out of nowhere and he is a very different candidate Mm -hmm. and he is LGBTQIA. He's like, he's all of these things. And like, you know, him raising $7 million got a lot of play. Whereas obviously someone like Kamala Harris raised a lot more money. But I think that the reason the Pete story was more interesting to people or bigger in the media is because Kamala Harris came into this race as a front runner, you know? And like, so it's not, it's amazing that she raised that much money, but it's not as surprising as someone like Pete Buttigieg, who no one had heard of maybe six months ago, yeah, raising even that less, amount of money. Even yeah, less even than six less. months ago. So I just wish, I, I feel, I just wish that we could like let this primary play out a little bit more before we just like have, based on like a campaign video and a stop in Iowa where like they're disqualified, they're done, whatever. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I want us to like slow our roll a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I agree. Like, I agree. All right. So should we get into the main news of the day? Yes. 
Today, the Betcha Up podcast is sponsored by European Wax Center's Axe the Pink Tax campaign. The pink tax is the extra amount of money women are charged every year for basic goods and services. And that shit adds up to $1,351 every freaking year. Yeah. For real. I could be so rich. Yes. Pink Tax is charging women more money on everything from baby bottles to canes. That doesn't just stop there. It's toys, personal care products, clothes, dry cleaning. Yes, even dry cleaning. Yes, dry cleaning. Women are actually being charged more for dry cleaning than men, sometimes for bringing in the exact same shirt. Yeah, that's really absurd. European Wax Center is known for empowering confident women, and now they're giving them the tools to claim their worth and take back what's there. I love it. I mean, I hate it, but I love that we're fixing it. And now you know. See for yourself at AxeThePinkTax.com. Kirsten Nielsen, Department of Homeland Security Secretary, most famous for ripping children from the arms of their mothers. And has resigned for shoving a J in the middle of her name. Yes, yes. It's kind of like Kirst Jen, the most famous Kirsten in the world, <laughs> Kirsten Nielsen. Um, yeah, we were in the middle of Cursed Child when we found out she mm-hmm. had resigned. We were in between shows, and I was like, "Huh." Yeah. So it seems like Kirsten Nielsen uh, had requested a meeting with the president uh, on Sunday for a plan to move forward at the border. In part, thinking that she could have a like reasonable conversation with the president. LOL. I know. Um, <laughs> and that's that's according to three people familiar with the meeting. And then she came in and it was like, actually, you're here because I want you to resign. Yes. Yeah, something happened at this meeting. It was yeah. not supposed to be her resignation meeting, but it became her resignation meeting right quick. Yeah. And now she is gone. Yeah, it's Um, unclear whether, like, it seems like she was pressured, but it's unclear if she did it herself, because apparently there had been times in the past where she had thought about resigning. Yeah, this has been a rumor for a while that she was going to go. Like, I feel like anytime someone resigns, there's always an article that's like, next to go is Kirsten Nielsen. Yeah. So it's finally happened. Yeah. Uh, The president... The New York Times reported that the president berated Ms. Nielsen regularly, calling her at home early in the mornings to demand that she take action to stop migrants from entering the country including doing things that were clearly illegal like blocking all migrants from seeking asylum uh and it also they also reported that in a cabinet meeting surrounded by her peers mr trump lambasted her repeatedly leading her to draft a resignation letter and tell colleagues that there was no reason for her to leave the department any longer i mean what's crazy about this is that kirsten nielsen is gonna go down in history for enacting one of the most shameful policies in U.S. history. Mm -hmm. And she had to resign because she was not going hard enough for Trump. She wasn't breaking the law for him. Yeah. And like, so it's, it's, it's really disturbing to see like that even that a policy that lives alongside like Japanese internment camps and like fucking slavery as like blights on this country. That was, her that was considered a weak policy to yeah. him like it wasn't strong enough so yeah maggie haberman tweeted she's a like a, one of the major writers for the new york times covering the white house she said people close to her say one reason perhaps not only one is that she was aware how awful life would be slash will be for her on the outside after defending defending his policies for a long time i mean yeah yeah no fuck yeah no shit i mean like your name's going to be in history books and not in a good, Neem. not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like people, 
you're i mean it, it's almost like why resign now because you're not you're not fixing you're no. not coming back from this Mm-mm. so like whatever here's here's one thing that's disturbing me and then i'm, I'm gonna get into my personal theory that's just these are my own thoughts so <laughs> just yeah. know that these are thoughts that are mine and i'm i'm a podcast person <laughs> so <laughs> i'm a podcaster so there we go but a lot of articles that have come out since then have said that Stephen Miller, mm. um, who paints hair on his own head, yeah, uh, <laughs> most 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 known for being a racist and painting on his on yeah his head. painting hair on his own head, uh, Stephen Miller has like played a key role in getting her out and has been ramping up his involvement in our immigration policies. So my worry is that. Trump appoints Stephen Miller acting DHS secretary mm-hmm. uh, because I don't think that he could get Stephen Miller confirmed necessarily. But right yeah. now we just have all of these acting people or, or just like a shadow. DHS yeah. Secretary. Or he appoints someone who's actually taking orders from Stephen Miller. Yeah. Like I feel like what this move is getting rid of Kirsten Nielsen is a move to put Stephen Miller in charge, well, which is terrifying because Stephen Miller, A, would break the law for Trump in yeah. a million. Like, And Stephen Miller has no conscience about any of these things and thrives on people yelling at him in restaurants mm-hmm. and shit like that. Like, that's his, like, fucking bread and butter that, like, fuels his yeah. life. There was also reporting that Trump wanted Kirsten Nielsen to stop or, like, put, like, a hindrance on people seeking asylum. But in addition to that, he was telling her that he felt that the zero tolerance policy of like separating children Mm -hmm. was their most like the best thing that they had done for addressing the situation on the border. And she was basically like, you would have to reverse your own executive order. Um, you know, and it's, it would be against, it'd be against basically the law to reinstate that policy. And yeah. And then it's just, not good that he still thinks that that was an option like what's also crazy is that i mean by his own admission we are facing a crisis at the border according to him so this policy was instated and people illegal crossings at the border or people coming to the border to claim asylum has skyrocketed since that time it's only exploded Mm -hmm. since that time so like Where's even data backing up that this policy deterred anyone? Because these people who are doing this, like they're not getting the information about this policy. Yeah. Like that's not happening. So like, or they're, or they're making the risk because their home countries are so dangerous. Either way, like this policy did not change anything. Now we have these detention facilities that are like, exploding with people because of the policies they've already put in place where they're detaining people they wouldn't have normally detained. So it's just like, you actually don't even have anything to back up that this was a good policy other than that it fuel, like it feeds into your own cruelty. Yeah. There's um there's an Atlantic article that came out. I think when the separation policy maybe first came out, but I'm not sure I see it reshared often when things like this come up and the headline of the article is just, which I encourage everyone to read. It's just the cruelty is the point. Mm-hmm. And it's an article that's like, that's when we're wondering like, what is the end game of a child separation policy? The end game is to do something cruel to people that you don't like. That, that you, you don't, don't even want. consider people. Yeah. Yeah. That you don't consider people. We actually do have a clip 
of um, Donald Trump. This is an old clip, but it's been resurfacing lately um, about him talking about, I think he's talking about MS-13 gang members, but he thinks all immigrants are MS-13 gang Mm -hmm. members. So they're rapists. Yeah. Murderers, whatever. But we're taking people out of the country. You wouldn't believe how bad these people are. These aren't people. These are animals. And we're taking them out of the country at a level and at a rate that's never happened before. These aren't people, they're animals. And that's like the, that's, that's it. That's the, yeah. that's like actually the spark notes of the whole policy. Yeah. And that's like a lot of historians who like look at, you know, totalitarian regimes and genocides look at this as like a, like a, a what's it's, it's part there. There's sort of like a, there's like a pyramid yeah. that international relations people use of it's like, like a how timeline. genocide happens. It's like, this is like the beginning of, you know, you change the rhetoric rhetoric. Like, yeah. you know, you blame them for your problems. You establish an other, you blame yeah. them for your problems. You dehumanize them. Yeah. Dehumanization is like the name of the, yeah. the step. And, and then it's, yeah. And then it just, you know, happens. President Trump tweeted that he is pleased to announce that Kevin Michelinon, the current U.S. Customs and Border Protection on Commissioner, will become acting secretary. Oh, okay. So it's not going to be Stephen Miller. No. So that undercuts my theory a little bit, but I still think that he's the shadow person. Yeah. But what's, what's interesting about that is that by law, the undersecretary for management, who is Claire Grady, and she's currently serving as acute acting deputy secretary is next in line to be acting secretary. And in order for like this guy, McAllenine, whatever the fuck his name, um, the white house will have to fire her to make him acting secretary, acting secretary. And people familiar with this transition have said that Claire Grady has no intention of resigning. Interesting. I mean, this just goes into like, it's, we have like a really strange, I mean, we have a really strange situation going on in our government in general, but like there's a really strange situation in his cabinet where we have basically all these like acting yeah. people well, in jobs that are supposed to be confirmed yeah. by the Senate. Yeah. And they were saying that the abruptness is unusual because the Department of Homeland Security does not have a deputy secretary who would normally take their reins because this woman who is is deputy secretary is acting secretary. She's She's not even acting deputy. She's not. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, she's the acting deputy secretary. So she's not even confirmed as the deputy secretary. Oh, and so she, she has another job that she's already doing, which is, it's just all over the place. It's a shit it's show. Truly, it's truly all over the place. And it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like basically his workaround for getting people into these positions. Yeah. It's, it's very. They're saying that 18 of the most important positions in the department um, subject to presidential nomination, Senate confirmation is vacant. Yeah. I mean, that's alarming. And it's alarming to think about like what qualifications the president is looking for to like fill this position permanently. Mm-hmm. Like he's looking for someone who would have said yes to all these horrible things. Like he's looking to make the situation even more horrifying. Yeah. Which is really fucked. Yeah, like we're like missing all these ambassadors and people like on the ground who's supposed to be helping with international relations and ensuring peace for the American people across the world. Yeah, I mean, the State Department is just like severely understaffed Mm -hmm. and it. There's still no nominee for Secretary of Defense. Yeah, we have an acting Secretary of Defense right now. So it's just like, I mean, 
the reason why these people are supposed to be confirmed by the Senate is because we need like there's like checks and balances in our government and we need oversight over these people. The president can't just appoint like any random motherfucker to do things. Yeah. Um, but it's like by having all, by having all these reg- resignations and acting people and then not putting up nominees, it's kind of like he's found this weird mm-hmm. workaround in the system, which has kind of been the whole whole thing is that we found out all these things are like norms or this is how things are typically done, but they're not codified into law. And then it gets exploited by well, that's the same thing with like releasing your taxes. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's like that idea of like, Oh, we don't have to do a lot because everyone's just going to do it anyways. It's like, clearly we need to establish some sort of rules because this person th- has no disregard for, has no regard for, you know, yeah. the way things are supposed to be. Yeah. Um, this is also coming out at the same around the same time as the Trump administration is rejecting a study conducted by its own Department of Health and Human Services that finds that refugees have a net positive value in the United States over the past decade. Um, This is from the New York Times. The study found that between 2005 and 2014, refugees contributed an estimated $269.1 billion in revenues to all levels of government. So... <sighs> just they and they just reject it and they didn't want it to become public. Similar to how they like rejected that climate change report. Yeah. And didn't want that to come public. Yeah, they just like get a report from their own people and they're like, eh, no, no, it doesn't say what we want. Like Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. Yeah. They're Elizabeth Holmesing the whole world. Mm-hmm. Great. She got engaged. Oh, did, did she? Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that she can still find love you after know, all of this. It gives hope to everyone <laughs> i saw one you thing can be a crazy wide-eyed lady who lies <laughs> i saw one thing on twitter that really made me laugh where someone it was like an article that was just like here's what we know about elizabeth holmes's fiance and someone retweeted it and says he doesn't watch documentaries <laughs> 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 and that's just funny okay should we move on to one more thing yeah uh so we didn't get a chance to talk about this on the last pod because it came out on friday but um donald trump tweeted an insane video of Joe Biden. So first, Joe Biden tweeted an apology video where he didn't, didn't actually, apologize. He didn't actually say the words "I'm sorry," um, which or is kind of crucial. There's no, there's no like ap- apologize or I regret. And I apologize. Yeah, I mean, I liked some of the things he said about like social norms are changing. I get that. It's my responsibility to make changes, whatever. I'm like, that would be great if it was also coupled with, I'm really sorry to the Mm -hmm. people who I made feel uncomfortable at crucial moments in their career. Yeah. You know, because it's not just like he touched people, like he just touched people at a rally. It's like he touched them when they're about to go on stage to like be a nominee or like it at like crucial fundraising events and moments in their life. Yeah. He infected it with weirdness. Yeah. But okay. So Donald Trump then tweeted out. I don't know where he finds this shit. <laughs> Truly. I don't know. He's if on he, QAnon. Yeah. Canon. He, he, he must be, or he has like a, like a Finsta uh-huh. where he like finds memes. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, he, he tweeted out this video that's basically it's like Joe Biden's apology video, but there's a photoshopped Joe Biden, like sneaking up on real Joe Biden in the background and like kissing real Joe Biden on the back of the head and like putting his arms on his shoulders. Yeah. And then it just says, welcome back, Joe. Yeah. I mean, the level of self-awareness is so like, you've literally been accused of so much worse than this man. And like we have you on tape saying you do so much worse yeah. than this man. Like you just kiss ladies. Like you're just walking yeah. to kiss them, and then you grab them by the pussy. Yeah. A fucking former Trump 
campaign official just said he sexually harassed her. Yeah, like also we have you on tape saying that you used to walk into the dressing rooms of Teen Miss USA uh-huh. pageant people. So I mean, that's just crazy. Joe Biden responded to it and he was like, on the job, very, I see you're on the job, very presidential as usual, which I'm like, Part of me is like, don't even respond to yeah. this shit. Like, You're this is like, it, like, it's so pathetic when he, like, it's so ridiculous when uh-huh. he tweets stuff like that, that it's like, I feel like you're just elevating him by even responding to something so fully crazy. Yeah. Like, it's really stupid. Some weird meme. Um, people were asking Trump if he is the appropriate messenger for this. Um, and he responded like this. Yeah, I think I'm a very good messenger, and people got a kick out of it. Uh, he's going through a what? situation. Let's see what happens. But people got a kick. We got to gotta sort of smile a little bit, right? Oh, shut the fuck but up. We got to sort of, like, like it was like such, people got a kick out of it. It's who? Like, I mean, it's, his people did. It's I'm like sure. a serial killer giving advice to someone who murdered, like, who's like a vigilante murderer. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's like this person killed my whole family, so I killed them. And it's like, but the serial killer is like, you shouldn't have done that. It's, it's, he's definitely, I mean, I do love, I mean, asking Trump any question, like if you're like, are you the right messenger? Of course he's gonna be like, yeah, I am an amazing messenger. Uh-huh. Nobody's ever delivered a message as message is my message. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, Those okay. Those carrier pigeons, I'm email. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That is truly what he believes. Yeah. <laughs> fucking idiot. Okay, I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Until the end of democracy, I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian F. Smith. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast. Betches.